Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Hello, Melissa. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. It's been (laughs) a wild week so far. I've got a few hours left of the day and it's kind of weird that tomorrow's Thursday already. I don't know. It's been flying by for me, but it's been super busy. Yes. I have had one of those weeks where I'm like, I'm always like, wait, what day is it? Because it's Mm -hmm. so insane. So I'm glad that we're in it together. For those of you listening, Melissa and I have just been like having the craziest couple of work weeks and not in a bad way. It's just that we are absolutely getting Mm -hmm. a million things done all at once. And we are a small team Mm -hmm. and our third teammate is out having a wonderful vacation, which he definitely deserves. A conch if you hear this, we (laughs) miss you so much. Um, So we are just a little busy. Um, And not only that, we're busy and the email world just like had a huge turn of events. Um, As we're recording it, I think the Apple announcement was two days ago. So you all listening to this, it's probably already been about a month. Yeah. If you're passionate about this topic, maybe your passion is similar down a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. We might seem extra fiery to you today because you're like, okay, this is old news. But for us right now in the moment, it is fresh and everyone online, at least in my side of the world, has an opinion and they're all over the place. And a lot of people are being very... Um, We were just talking about this, like very black and white in their opinion and not allowing room for much gray area. So we're going to talk about a lot of the gray area today of like, we think privacy is great. We are not saying senders deserve, you know, to know open data. We are saying that open data has existed for a long time and that this is going to change things, um, especially when it comes to list health and deliverability. And we're not saying opens are a perfect metric. We understand and we've said many times that open rates are unreliable a lot of times. Um, But Mm -hmm. this new change that Apple announced that we're about to get into makes open rates even more unreliable for a lot of people. And I would assume, I mean, I haven't been working in this industry as long as a lot of other experts have, including you, Alyssa, but I would assume that over the last years since email has been a thing too. Um, There have probably been changes that have made it so that senders had to adjust how they were doing things. But I would be interested to know like your opinion on how big you think this is compared to other changes that have been made over the years. Um, I definitely saw an article reference that. And it was sort of an article saying like, email is not dead. Because I think a lot of people heard the news and were like, email's dead. Email's done. (laughs) Email's dead. People love to say that. And it's like, no, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, And I think people said email was dead when the promotions tab was a thing. And trying to think of some other examples they had. But there have been plenty of like twists and turns in email that have caused people to freak out. But I think this one is a pretty huge potentially turning point where we have to totally rethink the Mm -hmm. way that we measure success in email and the way that we measure subscriber engagement. And this might not be as big of a deal if deliverability didn't work the way it does. Mm -hmm. Because you know, Nathan and I put out an article. And one thing we tried to highlight here is that 
especially for who we serve. We're serving creators who are not email deliverability experts. Usually they're running their entire business by themselves. They're sending the emails, they're writing the checks, they're doing (laughs) all the work of their business. And they need to reach the inbox of their subscribers. And in order to do so, they do need to play this deliverability game, which obviously I love and think is great, where it's like, you know, you email really engaged people in order to reach the inbox. And if you don't clean your list and you send to people who aren't engaged, you might start to go to the spam folder. But senders have to play by that game in order to go to the inbox. And what Apple just did sort of like took away the ability to like, play the game it's like Mm -hmm. they blindfolded you and they're like keep going like keep trying to reach the inbox with that blindfold on i think the thing that sort of initially was just like this um whole concept of privacy is kind of what is for those of for those of you who maybe aren't following what's going on it all comes down to like privacy options right so here is the quick elevator pitch of what happened And I'm not going to give every single detail or we'd be here forever. Mm -hmm. And I know you've probably already read it by now. But quick synopsis is that Apple announced in their new iOS and Mac OS and um, iPad OS and Watch OS, they are going to have new privacy features, which again is wonderful. We are not against privacy. (laughs) But part of the privacy feature specifically for mail is that if you use the Mac, like mail app on your MacBook, your iPhone, any of that, they're going to automatically load all images in emails that are sent to you, which includes the open tracking pixel. So that means if you're using, for example, the mail app on your iPhone, anytime someone sends you an email, it's going to look like you opened it, even if you didn't, um, all the time. So But wait, Alyssa, what if I have a (laughs) Gmail address and not an Apple address? (laughs) Perfect. I was just about to say that. Uh, One thing that a lot of people have been confused by is they're like, okay, so this is happening for anyone with an Apple email address like iCloud.com or ME.com. That's not the case. So this actually affects a lot more people. Uh, So this affects anyone who uses, again, like that mail app on their phone or their laptop. You can have any email address and use it in that mail app. A lot of people like the convenience of having it on that iPhone app. Um, I know my dad, for example, has a Yahoo address, but he looks at his email on the mail app on his Mm -hmm. um, iPhone, and that's how he receives it. So this is going to affect people with Gmail addresses, Yahoo addresses, AOL addresses, um, their own like company domain addresses. So you can't just look at an email address and know that it's affected by this. It's all about how people decide to consume their mail. So mm-hmm. um, for example, I'm a Gmail user and I use the Gmail app to look at my emails. So this will not affect me. But if I decided to instead use the mail, the Apple mail app on my phone and connect it to my Gmail account, it would affect me. Does that help? It does. I use the mail app, so... Uh Uh-oh, Melissa. Yeah. We open in all those emails. But uh, (laughs) I could choose to not have that privacy setting, which wouldn't really matter for people anyways, probably, because most people... I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what people do. I would assume most people will... Yeah. So some people are getting their hands on the 
iOS update early. And what they're seeing is the first time they load their mail app, they are selected or they are presented with an option. And I'm going to just read it. Um, oh, so and actually, I have a question about this. Once okay. you finish reading and we'll talk about it because I just thought of this. Okay. Um, so as soon as you open your mail app, you're going to see a screen that says mail privacy protection. Mail privacy protection works by hiding your IP address and loading remote content privately in the background, even when you don't open the message. This makes it harder for senders to follow your mail activity. And then you have to choose either protect mail activity or don't protect mail activity. And um, for each option, so for protect mail activity, it says hide IP address and privately load all remote content. For don't protect mail mm-hmm. activity, it says show IP address and load any remote content directly on your device. I think due to the wording there and the way that your average receiver, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna set up the mail activity protection. Mm-hmm. So there's a good chance most people will set this up. Well, and I hate to say it, it's kind of it kind of makes me chuckle a little bit because it's like we've been doing this forever. Like your yeah. IP address has been used <laughs> forever. So right. I'm not saying that like and I don't I hope people don't take that the wrong way uh about me acting like privacy is not something that I'm for because I definitely am. I'm just you know, it's hard as a recipient or like a receiver when you're not in the deliverability world. And I think we're talking about this a lot from like a deliverability lens and like for our senders as we work for an ESP. So our lens is a little different. Um, But it's just interesting because this change isn't something that's going to prevent all of the data that has been used before. And that's a long time and a lot of data. Yeah. And that's, like you said, not something we're going to necessarily get into, but it is interesting that we all have such differing opinions Mm -hmm. on like what's acceptable and what's not. And I'm personally, again, not saying this is the right way to be. I personally do not care if someone knows I open their email and I don't care whether it's a large corporation like Target in my, you know, no one's looking at me individually. I'm just part of their open rate. Mm -hmm. Or I don't care if it's a sales email and they're like, hey, I saw you open my last message. Sure. That is annoying. But it just doesn't bother me. And I I mean, I just, I might be weird for that, but it doesn't bother me. I think that Nathan made a really good point in his post about this that was related to, you know, like musicians as creators who have fan bases all over like the world and the country and using IP addresses to target where they are. And target sometimes kind of sounds like a bad word, like it's you're targeting people in a bad way, but, um, you know, to like send promotions related to the place that they live and those kinds of things. And I think it's hard for, and again, this is like, we could talk about this probably all day. We have a lot to cover, but, um, just as we're talking about this now, I thought that was a really good point and an interesting point. Um, you know, we've all talked about how much I love to shop and I don't mind getting ads related to what I've opened, Um, sometimes it's helpful to me and I appreciate seeing things that I actually care about instead of just getting tons of emails about things I don't care about. So it's a very, I think it's partially related to like the job I'm in and the things that I like that I have that opinion. But, um, like you said, there's a lot of gray area here. Yeah, there is. And a lot of opinions. So I think in general, it's great for any tech company to be taking privacy seriously and Mm -hmm. to give people the option. So if you are like me and Melissa, like you don't have to have that turned on. But if you are one of the people who are freaked out by open tracking pixels, like that's totally fine and Mm -hmm. you can turn this on. 
I was say, so my question that I just thought about, and I maybe it's because I'm like so hyped up about talking about this with you because we <laughs> we just like talking about things that are relevant to deliverability. And it's like, I don't want to say it's rare that something comes in the news that's like a really big deal, but it's fun when something does come up. If I have, can I turn that, is it related to your device or is it related to your mail app across all devices? Because I was thinking about that too. Like what if I have the mail app on my computer and I also have it on my phone? Will it ask me in two different places? Yeah, that's a really good question. I haven't seen anyone test that yet. So I think that just depends on Apple's, like how they store data about yeah. you. They're still going to know all sorts of stuff about you. They're right. going to know what you're opening and not. Yeah. Um, but I would assume the way that they have their database set up, like they'll know that you as a user have selected a choice and they mm-hmm. won't show you that everywhere. Um, I think you'll only see it once if I had to guess. That would be my guess because a lot of people have everything synced. So mm-hmm. I assumed that also, but I was like, that would be, <laughs> that would also kind of throw a wrench in things. Yeah. So I feel like that's a pretty good synopsis of like what's going on. But in summary, Apple's newest change will cause emails to appear to be opened regardless of whether someone has opened the email or not. And that affects anyone who is using, again, the Apple-like app as their mail client. That can be any email address, any domain. It doesn't have to be an Apple address. And at least with deliverability, list cleaning is going to look so different. And like we said earlier, it's sort of like senders have to play the game of deliverability and do the right thing without a huge chunk of data that Apple, for example, has like they're still going to know who's opening and who's not. And they're going to change your deliverability based on that data. But now you don't have it anymore. So we are as senders going to have to get more creative. It's not helpful to just dig your heels in the sand and say, well, fine, like I'm just not going to do anything differently. I'm going to treat everyone the same. And if it says they opened an email, I'm going to pretend they opened an email. That is probably going to lead to more headache for you because you could start to have deliverability issues. And it's going to be way harder for you to know you're having them because it's going to look like everyone's opening your email still. So we are going to get into how you can get creative and adapt to this change and be proactive and hopefully rise above it. It makes me feel like I have to now think through what I'm talking about as far as, I mean, it's not happening yet. Like it's not widespread, but like when I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking about advice that I would give to a customer and I'm like, now I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like my brain's going to have to work really hard (laughs) to um, figure out how to navigate all of this. It will be weird. We were just talking about it before the call and I'm like, so let's say a bunch of emails are going to spam for someone like their open rates are probably still going to be really high. And that's going to be interesting and just so much so different to navigate. But I know we can do it. You know, we always take a really deep look at the whole picture and look Mm -hmm. at lots of different data points, but it definitely will be different um, when talking to customers and helping inform them about what's happening. Mm -hmm. So we have some recommendations for you. Um, And I think There are lots of data points a sender can look at, but overall, I would say clicks are going to become the main North Star metric that opens once were for most senders. Do you want to give us our first recommendation about what senders can do to influence more clicks in their Sure. As far as likes go, yeah. So very obvious, not very obvious, but like a very uh, specific like could be a like button in your email. 
I, I feel like it's one of those things where I probably have seen it before, but I think people are going to start utilizing these options more than they probably ever have before. Um, I, one that I have seen a lot is like share this email with someone if you liked the content. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great one. So that's like probably the one I've seen the most often, but I mean, we do it in social media uh, platform. So we should do it in email. I mean, it kind of makes sense, especially for, I would say, uh, creators that I follow who send like a newsletter where it's not really like you, you might be invited into the conversation to ask questions or respond, but also like just something that you get weekly that you like, it would be great to be able to like it. Yeah, exactly. So if you're wondering how you can actually make that happen, you could just embed a cute little heart button, you know, icon in your email and have some text that says something like, did you enjoy this email? Mm -hmm. Let me know, you know, click the heart. And if you can just kind of build that into your template, Mm -hmm. then your readers can get used to it. And um, if they like the email, they can click the little heart or, you know, you could even do like, was this helpful? Kind of thumbs up, thumbs down scenario. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're like me, but I only, I just want the hearts. I don't want any thumbs down. Yeah. So uh, think about that before Heart or nothing. you do it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I do think that is a creative way that mm-hmm. senders all over the place can start to gain engagement data from Mm -hmm. subscribers without relying on opens. And you could, if you're using ConvertKit, then you could just tag those people too if you wanted and keep track of who's liking your emails, which would be, uh, could be a potentially helpful metric to use for other things down the road. Yep, exactly. Um, The next recommendation actually comes from our good friend, Allison Goody, she is the deliverability. She actually got a, a promotion here recently. So now I think she is like the compliance guru. I don't know her official title. I'm sorry, <laughs> Allison. Um, at Braze. She's just wonderful. If you know her, you love her. But um, we were talking about all these changes and she had a really great idea that we're definitely going to tell so many convert mm-hmm. customers this to do. This is such a good idea. Yeah. Especially for customers with more of like a newsletter style email where there isn't always a call to action. Like people can just read through it and get a ton of value and people Mm -hmm. don't always need to click. Um, Her idea is that you should share a little bit less in the email than you normally would and instead have like a read more button. So maybe just sort of give someone the headline of what you're trying to say and have a read more button um, where they can actually go and read the rest of the information on another page. And that's going to help you get more clicks where you usually would have just had someone scan through and read it. Yeah, great idea. I love that. Thanks, Allison. You're the best. She actually listens to every episode right when they come out, and she That's is so nice. just wonderful. She is. I know. I love her. Okay, so next, uh, which we've always talked about um, a few of these metrics and – or not – I guess not metrics, but um, like – what am I trying to say? Things that can contribute to metrics. Recommendations. Recommendations. Yeah. I, my brain this week is just I know. Done. We've had a hard week, y'all. It's done. I can't even <laughs> it's say been rough. I was trying to talk to my mom earlier, and I was like, words aren't happening today. Yeah, I knew this would be a tough one for us. Yeah, um, especially because it's like a topic that is very interesting, and <laughs> there's so much to say. Uh, yeah. But so we've, we've talked about this before in other episodes, but having a clear call to action. I mean, a lot of these things I think are suggestions that I've made to customers before that are just good marketing deliver, like contributing to deliverability things that you should be doing. And we actually had a recent example of this with this clear call to action. Um, Someone was asking about unconfirmed subscribers and Alyssa mentioned that she thought it was related to their 
form and their confirmation email because it didn't explicitly say that you needed to confirm your subscription in order to continue to like be a subscriber. So that was something that, you know, is it's always interesting because it's it's not always obvious, but when you really look at it, you're like, "Oh yeah, I'm not sure that if I was subscribing to this right now that I would realize that, you know, maybe it just says download the ebook here or something like that." But it it, it makes it look like it's an option. And instead of something you need to do to continue to receive emails. So we've always kind of said that this is a good thing to have anyways, but it's going to be really important now so that people know how important it is to engage with your emails. Yes, that's such a good example. So I think a lot of people struggle with this, although it is a piece of email advice that has been given for a really long time. And I think it is really important to have a clear call to action and It's especially important if you think about the human aspect of Mm. email marketing and just how many emails your subscribers are getting. It becomes hard if you really want people to click on your email, especially now that Mm -hmm. opens might not tell you anything. It might not tell you much. You really want those clicks to tell you, did someone read this? Then you need to make it really easy for them to know how to take that action. Mm -hmm. You need to make it right in their face, big, bold, tell them what to do. And it needs to be, you know, something they would want to do, like read more or like you said, click here to confirm your subscription, Mm -hmm. click here to stay on my email list, click here to keep receiving my emails, things like that. Um, It has to be easy to find, really clear what you're asking, or people are just going to scan the email and go on with their day because everyone's busy. We don't have time to sift through a bunch of text and figure out what a sender wants from us. Mm -hmm. So Um, I love that recommendation. And especially now that, as we're going to talk about in a second, opt-in confirmation emails are going to become way more important. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, This one is kind of a weird idea, maybe, and one that I would assume might be harder for some people to implement. But I was just thinking about how can you incentivize clicks for subscribers? I love this idea. Oh, I think it's fun. (laughs) Yeah. So... Let's say, for example, you have a newsletter and you send it out once a week. You could have a button that says, I read this. And whenever someone clicks it, it, you know, opens to a window and tells them, like, you've opened three emails in a row. You're on a streak or like you're a super reader, like give them a badge. We all love like gold stars. So I think if you can make it like a fun community thing of like, you're in the top whatever percent of readers readers of this email newsletter. Like, that's so cool. And maybe you can offer, you know, um, incentives. Like, there's a lot of incentives around referrals, like you mentioned, like sending people links to or forwarding people emails. Mm -hmm. It can be similar. Like, if you read 10 emails in a row from me, you get a Zoom call or something. Mm -hmm. And that can all be tracked instead of through opens, since opens won't be super reliable. You can Mm -hmm. track it with this, I read this button and really incentivize people to click that button. This would work on me for sure if someone gave me a gold star. I know. We're definitely like perfectionists and (laughs) achievers. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yep. For sure. For sure. Uh, Okay. Sending regular, do you want to stay on my list emails uh, where a click is required? And Oh gosh, I don't even I know. know. This this is like how I feel about cleaning your list is how I feel about cleaning my house. Like this <laughs> is this is like the stricter way to clean your list instead of like now, you know, we I've always said cleaning your list is my favorite piece of advice because I think I think it's really important and I've seen it help senders um who had really unengaged subscribers, but now it's not going to just be those who haven't opened an email in 90 days remove them 
or, you know, like this whole concept changes all of that, which scares me a little bit because that's always been my favorite thing to tell people is like clean your list. And now it's going to just have to be in a different way. So sending, do you want to stay on my list? And unfortunately, I mean, there have been times where I've received like goodbye breakup emails or whatever from people that I don't open as often, but I still want to stay on their list. I just probably don't open emails as often. This one's so hard for me because it's really the only workaround you can have that's like the similar clean your list type of situation. I don't know. I just, I feel like this one's hard because like, I don't know if I would click to stay necessarily. I'm trying to think about what I would do. Yeah, this is where, so I had a Twitter thread where I kind of expressed all my feelings about this. And I said, it's already hard enough to convince Mm-hmm. people to clean unengaged subscribers off their list. Yeah. Like, that actually is already something that we have to convince people to do and explain the benefit. Yeah. Now, with this change with Apple, we are going to be convincing people, including you listening to this podcast, that you need to remove people on your list who appear to be opening. Mm-hmm. That's going to be an interesting uh, conversation we have to have. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have to explain that Yes, it says this person is opening all your emails. They look like exactly what we would hope, you know, for a subscriber for the most part. But yeah, like we don't know. They might actually not be opening any of those emails. And if that's the case, continuing to send to them can hurt your deliverability and you Mm -hmm. won't even know it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we sort of have to, as an industry, recalibrate and say, Mm -hmm. you know what? Even if somebody opens 100% of your emails, if they're not doing anything else, we actually need to let them go. Right. And that's why focusing on clicks and other data points like mm-hmm. purchases, if you have it, Melissa and I were talking about replies to emails, mm-hmm. which is hard to measure on a large scale. Right. Um, but in general, any other data points you can get right. in a non-obtrusive way, like we're not trying to find more ways right. to violate privacy. Right. Which we've always <laughs> encouraged people to do because it, it right. looks good to have clicks and, um, you know, an open it can be a helpful, and that's what we were talking about before we started this podcast, or before we started this episode, was that opens can be helpful for those who are having deliverability issues, because sometimes it can provide like an initial insight into a problem. But now it's going, like you said, it's going to be really difficult for people to decide when they do have a deliverability problem. And if every email that they see is going to spam, but it looks like everyone's opening, that is a very... um, non-intuitive uh, situation. Yep, it just really confuses things. But um, like you're saying, we have to still clean our list. Mm-hmm. Um, that's absolutely a necessity. So instead of just deciding never to clean your list again, we have to figure out ways to get creative about it. Because mm-hmm. if you decide, you know what, I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to keep cleaning people who don't open emails off my list. Mm-hmm. Sure, you'll get rid of some people that do need to be removed. There are going to be a bunch of people who should also be removed that you don't know about and right. you're not getting rid of them. So really, I think what we're going to have to start recommending to people is what we've already talked about. Step one is get creative about getting more clicks and measuring engagement differently. Mm-hmm. And then once you've done that, I would say every six months, send an email to everyone who has not clicked or purchased in the last six months and ask if they want to stay on your list. And they have to click in order to stay on your list. Mm -hmm. And I know you might be listening to this and cringing and thinking, there's no way I'm going to do that. But I think we have come to a new 
time and email where that's actually going to be very necessary if you want to reach the inbox and Mm -hmm. we're just here to help and uh don't shoot the messenger but i think that is going to be the new thing we all have to do and i said earlier i didn't know if i would click even though i still want it like i'm a lot of times so gmail now does that thing where they say like you haven't opened an email from so and so and forever do you want to opt out i always click no i don't want to opt out typically because they're emails i want to see because sometimes they pertain to me. So I think if someone sent me that, I would, and I and I cared about the emails, I would want to stay on the list. Um, I mean, we, and we, it kind of goes back to what we've always said too, about you want a list that's engaged. And even though it's hard to let people go, those people aren't um, converting into sales and they're not converting into engagement. So holding on to them in hopes that they will change their mind isn't really a very good practice. And people can always opt back in if they are removed. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing to remind yourself, I think, as a sender, is that it's not like you're canceling them and they're gone forever and they can never find you again. Um, I think if you have valuable content and they realize, oh, that person's not in my inbox anymore and I miss seeing them, they'll come back. And this might be a crazy suggestion sounding because this is a a podcast about email, but I think depending on who you are and your strategy, you can incorporate other channels like SMS to help you feel a little more at ease about really cleaning your list this Mm -hmm. intensely. So for example, at ConvertKit, we help a lot of musicians. So let's say it's, you know, a musician needs to clean their list and it's been, you know, six months and they're going to remove anyone who hasn't clicked an email and like, oh, that's so painful. I know. But if they're also utilizing SMS, they can keep texting those people mm-hmm. and reaching them in that way to say things like, I'm going on tour soon mm-hmm. here. You know, here's a link to view my tour dates. You can still send those texts and remove them from your email list so that they don't hurt your reputation. Right. right. So there are other options. I think what this is going to do is require a ton of creativity from senders who do want to do the right thing and have a clean list and send great emails. Obviously, there's a lot of gray area here. One thing Melissa and I have to worry about a lot is spammers. Mm -hmm. So I think the world of spam is going to change a lot too. It's going to be harder for people like ESPs, like senders and ConvertKit, to find spammers. I think in general, what users don't realize is this is going to lead to more spam for subscribers, Mm -hmm. probably. So I don't know if Apple's thought about that yet or not. It's going to be harder for senders to measure who wants a message, who doesn't want a message. Mm So I think there's gonna be a lot of changes here. But if you're listening to this podcast, you care about being a good sender and having good deliverability. So I think your world is going to look like getting really creative, incentivizing clicks, thinking about ways to get more clicks and engagement data or purchase data any other sort of activity, and then regularly sending out that opt-in confirmation email to mm-hmm. clean your list instead of just relying on open data. Yeah, it's, I am just, I feel like my mind gets really overwhelmed by thinking about it because it is just such an interesting, I mean, I think you already said the number of people who are using the mail app, what was it, 58%? I can't remember if I did on this podcast, but I don't 58%. Know. Yeah. According to Litmus, 58% of the market share Uh, for email clients is Apple. So Mm -hmm. potentially this could affect half your list. Um, You might see your open rates go way up, which your first impression might be excitement because we've all been trained to care about open rates so much. Um, But it might actually not mean more people are opening your email. So 
We will see. It might be too soon. Maybe you're listening to this a month later and you're like, ha ha, this, nothing this happened. Is, this like, is nothing. I told Alyssa. Fine. It's the same thing as the year 2000. Y2K, like, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think that it definitely has shaken up a lot of people in this industry. And, you know, it sounds like people are very passionate, kind of like the whole world has been passionate a lot lately about different things. Um, so I think that, I don't know. It's it's always hard to say in situations like this before they happen, like what kind of an impact it will have. Yeah. I will say like, you know, when this happened with Hay, which we have a whole mm-hmm. podcast episode in season one, like mm-hmm. it was easy to tell like, oh, this is interesting. People mm-hmm. are talking about it. It's not going to have a huge impact. And also the way that they utilized it, they're actually blocking open pixels. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I would rather someone be counted as not opening than being counted as open when they haven't. Yeah. Um, I I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it makes it harder. uh Yeah. Yeah. For list cleaning and things. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I didn't really think about the difference between the two until now. Yeah. But I think when we recorded that episode, you know, we were like, oh, this is interesting. Here are thoughts. Mm -hmm. But we weren't like, this is going to change everything. Yeah. Now, with the data presented to us, it does seem like this is going to have a pretty large impact. And there have been so many articles published about it since it happened. And it's sort of, at least on my Twitter feed, is what everyone's talking about. So I do think this is kind of a pivotal moment. And also, I think the other thing is it just really shows that, like, there are so many sides to, like, this this was one announcement from Apple. And, like, there are so many people that will be affected, like ESPs, senders. Um, so there's all different kinds of people in this industry who are doing different jobs that will be affected by it. And I think that's what's so interesting is that they all bring their own lens to the table of like why they think that it's good or bad or whatever. So I always like hearing stuff like that because I'm like, there are so many different kinds of jobs in this industry that people are either worried or they're excited or it's just it's kind of cool to see. Yeah, it's something. I get overwhelmed. <laughs> I was telling you, I don't, I, I'm an Enneagram 9 if anyone's into any of that, but it essentially just means like I hate conflict, confrontation, arguments. Like I am the most like I will never fight or have a dispute with anyone ever. Like I'd rather just be like, you're right, I'm wrong. Yep. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, Goodbye. So <laughs> seeing all the like online bickering about all this is like kind of weirdly stressful to me but but Melissa and I were saying before we started recording that there's just a lot of gray area here and there a lot is. of people are trying to focus on like a very black and white scenario mm-hmm. so in case we haven't already drilled in our point we are saying all of these things are true at the same time yeah email privacy and privacy in general is very important and we want more privacy that's number 1 two we are not saying senders should have open rate data we're not saying that. Three, we are saying that senders historically have had open rate data. Mm-hmm. So this changes the way that senders can know about how engaged their audience is. Four, we are not saying open rates are perfect metrics. Mm-hmm. We have said for a long time they are unreliable in many cases and that senders should focus on other metrics to determine success. All of those things can be true at once. Mm-hmm. There doesn't need to be a camp that's like, open rates are a vanity metric, so none of this matters. I don't care. Or, you know, people saying like, mm-hmm. we still want all the open rate data in the world. Like, 
we fall in the middle and all we are here to do is provide form. Yeah. And also we did say what we would, what if we cared or not for our own personal use, which, which is fine. Everyone's going to have their own reason why that particularly applies to them or doesn't. We're not trying to say that it's Apple's way or the highway or the opposite of that. But yeah, I mean, we did the same thing in our Hey episode too. Just like, let's talk about this and kind of pick apart why it could be good or why it could be bad. Yeah, exactly. And just to really drill in that point before we close, I was just looking at Twitter and our CEO, Nathan, wrote a whole like thread about pretty much what we've said in this episode Mm -hmm. about the fact that this change is harmful in some ways to creators Mm -hmm. and email senders because it's now an unlevel playing field when it comes to email deliverability. You have to act in the way they want. Apple's Postmaster website actually says that they say you should remove unengaged subscribers from your list regularly in order to reach the inbox. And now they're not telling you who's unengaged. So that's all he said. He talked about how privacy is important. And someone, quote, tweeted it and said, this is the wrong frame, one that has long been maintained by ad tech companies who claim to speak for creators and publishers, but only speak for themselves. Pro-privacy changes only hurt because the marketplaces have been redefined using privacy violating metrics. Okay. Again, it's like people are loving to argue about this. Nathan's not saying that Apple should stop what they're doing and give us all the open right data. He is not. All he is saying and all we are saying Mm -hmm. is that this does make it harder to reach the inbox of your subscribers and that senders are going to have to change the way they do things. That's all we're saying. And I think it's okay for both of those things to To be be true true at the same time. I agree. And we hope, and hopefully this is informative and you can start thinking through creative ways to engage your subscribers in different ways other than relying on just an open. Um, and it also, I, I think it's helped me as a subscriber to a lot of things realize that I need to help senders that I care about um, by engaging with their emails. So I'll yeah. take on that responsibility as a, as a um, subscriber. Well, hopefully this helped. And if you have any ideas or questions about how you can utilize other data other than open rate data, we'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. You can go to convertkit.com slash deliverability to reach out to us. We're here in this with you and we hope we can help you pivot and get yep. creative. Yes. Alrighty. Have a good rest of your week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.